glad to have you uh, with us tonight. Glad to be able to chance to to just dig into His Word, and and I and I hope that it's something that that grabs your heart and uh, carries you through the week. Because man, we we need Him way more than just on the weekend. That is for sure. So uh, yeah, we uh, tonight. I guess I just want to. We're, we're doing this a, a short series from now till Easter, and uh, Easter's coming. Did you know that? Easter's coming. Uh, the truth is, it already happened, uh, and that's that. You know, I, th- I was thinking about that. I thought about my announcement. I was like, "Easter's coming." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's pro- it's really not that true because Easter ha- has already happened. It's why we celebrate it. You know, when you celebrate your birthday, it's not because, or you know, I'm not celebrating my grandchildren's birthdays yet because they haven't arrived. So the you know the one thing to, that the, that just is that proof like, once again of the fact that something happened is that for centuries they've been celebrating the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And uh, we, we are a part of that, gratefully a part of that. Uh, and so to, as I was just prepping for, you know, really thinking about Easter and where we're headed uh, with that, I, I was just challenged about the journey, the journey that Jesus uh, was on from, you know, that final week. But I was like, what about the week before, you know, what, what was the, what was um, what, what, did this, what did this road look like that he was on? And so I want to take a couple um, weeks just to picture what it was like. What it was like being on that, on that road. What was he doing? What was he saying? You know, what was he thinking? Who was he talking to? Who was he avoiding? And, and the good news is we don't actually have to guess or wonder. Because we have eyewitness accounts of what happened in that moment. And, and they wrote the things that happened. And grateful for guys like Matthew who was there. Uh, Mark who they, we know to be a friend of Peter's who wrote down... You know, Peter's account, who was uh, there. We have Luke, the historian, who said, I'm going to find out from all the eyewitnesses and put it together in, a, in some uh, organized format. And then John, who was there. Uh, this is who we're listening to. And there was many, many others who wrote about it as well. Luke tells us that at the very beginning of his, uh, of his gospel. So we're going to jump in tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Uh, we are, you can head on to Luke 18. We're going to get there in a minute. But the scene right before Jesus heads to Jerusalem for why the reason we celebrate Easter. Uh, man, pe- people were like, this was like the pinnacle of his popularity. Many, it says, John tells us that many, many people were following him. In John chapter 10, he says, you know, he did all these miraculous signs and people are like, man, John the Baptist said this guy would do this, but he's actually doing it. And, there, the, and it says many people believed in him as a result. And then, uh, then like the unthinkable happens uh, Jesus raises a man from the dead. You know the story of Lazarus? He, he raises him from the dead, and, and it, there happens to be a whole lot of people there who watch. How many of you, like, if somebody raised someone from the dead without any medical assistance, I would pretty much say they're, like, they're, they're, they're who they say they are. I, I believe that they were God. Show of hands. If you saw somebody raise somebody else from the dead, yeah. So I didn't even get all the hands in here. Surprise. But I shouldn't be surprised. Because not everyone then believed it either. I, like, I'm like, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, of course they would all believe. Like, they just watched a dead guy who's, you know, four days in the grave, he stinketh, and now he's liveth. And uh, they, he walks right on out, and they're like, man, <laughs> this, this dude is who he says he is. But it doesn't. It says there's some who don't believe. There's some who, and I would say, refuse to believe. And what do they do? They go to the, they go to the religious leaders and their little tattletales, and they say, this is what Jesus is doing, you know. And the religious leaders, we read from them. They don't believe either. And we see that just belief is this thing that comes out of the heart. 
that, they, that they're selfish, they're afraid, they're jealous. They're jealous because they want the crowds and nobody's following them anymore. And they're like, we want the crowds as well. And so this jealousy, is in, in, it, it invades and uh, impedes their belief, their trust in Christ. They're afraid. They even said that, you know, they, they realize, man, everyone is starting to follow this guy. And if everyone in, in, in Jerusalem follows him, then, then he's going to start a riot and the Romans are going to come. And they're going to take our beloved temple. And that realization dawns on them, that selfish realization that Jesus like, says he's God, which means people don't need to go through a man to get to God anymore. That's our jobs, fellas. Like, that's what we do. They come to us for sacrifices. If, if they don't have to come to us anymore, man, we're out of work. And that jealousy and that selfishness and that fear just causes them to decide it's time for Jesus to die. And that's how John chapter uh, 11 ends, is that simple thought that, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead, and for that he must die. And so Luke actually tells us what happens next. Jesus realizes it. He goes across the river. He's, uh, he's on the Lord's plans, not on man's plans. And, and Luke tells us in Luke 18. So hopefully gave you enough time to get there. Luke 18, verse 31. Here's what Jesus, it says. He says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets uh, concerning the Son of Man, which was the name for himself, will come true. Verse 32, he says this, he's going to be what, handed over to the Romans. Can you, can you picture this? Jesus is with his best friends. He's traveled with them for three years. He's like, hey, fellas, we're, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and when we get there, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over to the Romans. And it says he'll be mocked. He'll be treated shamefully. He, they're going to spit on him. And then they're going to flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he'll rise again. I mean, here's what he's telling. He's telling the, the, the disciples, and, and, and they wrote this. And, and the reason they write it is they're writing it after, after this conversation has happened. And, and what I find is, is interesting about this thought is that Jesus tells them, he tells them this, all, all of this before it happens. He knows that as he walks that journey to Jerusalem over the next couple of weeks, he knows what's coming in detail. He knows what the, that it's going to be flogged with a whip. He knows he's going to be handed over. He knows he's going to be killed. He knows that the future doesn't look bright, and he's walking headlong, head straight uh, towards it. I don't know about you, but when I realize the future doesn't look good, my initial response is to walk away from it. To, to try and protect myself in any way possible from what, you know, what, any kind of suffering that I may want to avoid. But he heads straight towards the pain, straight towards the suffering, straight towards death. Why? Because he's focused on what comes after that. And we see at the very end of that, he says, you know, they're going to kill him, but. And he focuses on everything after that, but. But <laughs> there's going to be a, an empty tomb. There's going to be a resurrection, He's focusing straight on this one thought that eyes on the prize, motivated by love, not fear, this complete trust that the resurrection will be a reality in his life. He knows. Complete trust that the resurrection will be a reality in his life. And that's why we celebrate Easter, because that prophecy came true in, uh, in the life of Jesus. You know, Luke verse 18, the, Luke goes on to write what the disciples thought about all this. They didn't hear anything you know, after uh, uh, anything after that, that but. They heard everything before, and it says they didn't understand any of this. 
They never saw a man rose from the dead before. So for them, you know, hearing all this, it's like the significance of his words was hidden from them and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. And simply Jesus is around a bunch of people who just simply don't understand. They've been with him for three years, but they don't understand. They don't have a sweet clue what he's talking about. And as I was prepping for this, I wondered how many people have been around church, have been around Jesus for a long time, but don't have a sweet clue still about what the gospel is about. They, 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 they don't know what they, they don't know. They don't even know that they don't know. And, and I thought about that. You know, it's kind of hard to blame people for not knowing what they don't know, isn't it? It's kind of unfair, actually. I remember uh, one time uh, my parents used to live in the Caribbean, so it's really fun to go visit them then. Now they live in Perry Sound. It's why I don't visit as often. Just saying. They're watching. Uh, <laughs> so, but they lived in the Caribbean, and we went down to visit them, and uh, uh, they let me borrow their van. I was driving around the island with my brothers, went surfing, and I had to get some gas on the way back, and I pulled the minivan into the gas station. I pump it full of gas, and then I get back in and pay for it, and I try and drive, and I get nowhere. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? I, don't, I can't get it. It's not going anywhere. And, and then uh, I call my dad. I'm like, something's wrong with the van. I just, just filled it up with fuel. And he's like, what color was the handle? And I was like, I don't know. I look. It's like, it's yellow. And he's like, ding. That's diesel. Thank you to the one in the audience. The teenage girl knew more than I did in my 20s. Uh, and it was like that thought. Everyone knows. Everyone knows yellow handles diesel, right? That, that's the thought. Everyone should know. And I'm like, apparently, I'm like the one person who didn't know that it was diesel. And, and so here I am, uh, you know, stranded in, the, in, in Curacao. And I was like, I had all my swim gear. So I just laid out in the parking lot right in the middle of the busiest intersection in town, uh, just getting, working on my tan. Well, somebody came and took the gas tank off and had to fix everything. My dad's like, how did you not know that? I'm like, Dad, you're a shop teacher, not a mechanic. Like, we never did this lesson, right? I, I, I just didn't know. And there's that thought that, well, you should have you known. That assumption, well, everybody knows. But I, but I wonder how many of those assumptions we have about people around us, friends in our lives, people in Canada, you know? Like, well, everybody knows that you're welcome to come to church, you know, I, it's amazing how many people actually mention to me when I say, hey, you want to come to church? Like, are, are we actually allowed? We're not, we're not members of that church. My assumption, everyone knows they're welcome at church. Maybe, maybe in a Christian country, which Canada used to be sort of founded on, maybe everyone knew. But we live in post-Christian Canada now, whether you realize that or not. Not everybody knows that they're welcome in these seats. Did you know that? That's why they need an invitation. They, they, they don't know. Everyone knows, you know, we think everyone knows that Jesus died and rose from the dead. I, I, I'm surprised. I was surprised, and maybe you'd be too. There's people in our country who have no idea. They've never even heard of Jesus. We're that far away from where we once were. Everyone, everyone knows that God loves them. Right? We've all learned Jesus loves me, and they're like, what? Everyone knows that there's more to life than just this life. That assumption, if that was true, that everyone already knows that there's more to this life than this life, we wouldn't be here. Because Jesus said to his disciples, he's like, listen, everyone's going to know that there's more to this life than this life. Everyone's going to hear the gospel, and then the end, it's the end, baby. We're taking you out of here. So the fact that we're still here means that we're not done yet. Everyone does not know what they don't know yet. And Paul says to the Romans, how are they going to know if no one tells them? How, how are they going to know? 
And it's not like, oh, you know, it's the pastors. It's, it's us. Man, it's so, so important, even more so now, that we have that realization that people just, that, that, that we're reaching out to people, not assuming that they know, but assuming maybe they don't know what they don't know. And so, what, you know, maybe you have people like that in your life. Maybe, maybe there's some names and faces. You're like, yeah, you know what? I don't know if the guys at my work know. I, I, I don't know if my, you know, those, those uh, gals from my whatever sewing club or whatever it may be. I don't know if they, I don't know if they know. Yeah, no, it shows you how many gal things I do. <laughs> book club, that's what it is, book club. You know, but may, maybe, maybe it's not somebody that you know. Maybe you're sitting here today and that's you. You know, you, you've been around church a long time, but you don't really know, you don't really know what Christianity is all about. You feel a little bit like, I'm like, I feel maybe a little like the disciples, like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get it. I'm like, I'm trying to understand, but... I, I don't, I don't know. What, like, like, I'm going to church. I, I'm maybe getting it. I, I read the Bible, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really getting it. Why did Jesus have to die? How does that have anything to do with me, really? Well, if that's you, I'd encourage you to listen extra closely today. The second group of people that Jesus uh, was around that we see on his journey is we find in, uh, in Mark's account. You can go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Didn't give you much of a heads up, because here we go. It says this, then they reached Jericho. Here's Jesus on his way. He reaches Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd follows them, and a blind beggar named Bart, we'll call him Bart, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road, and when Bartimaeus heard, and when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you picture that? Maybe if we throw a picture up here, you know, of some blind guys. Here's Blind Bart. You know, Blind Bart and his buddy. You know, one of the other Gospels tells us there was a couple of them. And they were sitting by the roadside. You know, and I wonder, like, what kind of conversations these two would have had as they sat there every day. Like, what else are they going to do? And they're sitting by the road, and they, <laughs> they hear a crowd coming. Their ears are, you know, even probably more highly tuned than, uh, than, than others. And they're like... You know, chatting with one another and be like, hey, hey Bart, you, do you hear that? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's kind of unusual for this time of day. Yeah, I know. And do you ever feel like you're missing out on stuff? Yeah, man, I, I feel like I'm missing out on everything all the time. Shh, just wait a second. Shh, shh. You know, do you, do you hear that? I, I, think I, I think I heard someone say Jesus. And you know what? Man, I've heard about this guy. They say he can do anything. They say he can fix anyone. Shh, shh, listen, listen. You hear it? There it is again. They said his name. It's, it's Jesus. I'm sure of it. Man, it's him, man. It's him. I'm sure of it. It's got to be why there's so many people there. Jesus! The crowd woke up. Jesus! Have, have mercy on me. Jesus, if it's you, help me. Jesus, save me. Save me. Can you picture it? And then you see the crowd. They, they get close to there. And we see their response in Mark 10, verse 48, the very first part. You see, the people are saying to him, be quiet, man. Be quiet. And many of the people are yelling at him. He's like, Jesus! And they're like, shh, quiet. And what is it? That many of them trying to d- distract him. It's like, I thought, when I was reading this, I like, picture my kids. You know, they're like, you be quiet. No, you shh. No, you shh. Shh. I'm listening. Shh. And it's like, 
Some of you have kids, yeah. It's, and they begin interacting with each other, and you're like, you're trying to tell them something, but they're so like in conversation with one another, they don't hear anything else anymore. But not Bart. He doesn't get tied into the conversation with his buddy. He doesn't get distracted by the conversation with the others. He's not sidelined by their opinions. They're like, Bart, shh. Like, I don't know what they said to him, but I can imagine, because I know some of the thoughts that go through people's life, Bart, you don't really want anything to do with Jesus. Because, man, that's the thing that we hear all the time. You know, you don't really want anything to do with religion. Dude, you're going to have to go to church on Saturday nights. That's the only time there's room. Do you know what else you could be doing on Saturday nights? You don't really want anything to do with him, really. Or maybe it's the voice on the inside. Hey, Bart, he doesn't want anything to do with you. He doesn't want anything to do with you, really. But I love this story because something deep down inside of Bart's like, digs deeper. No, I... I, I <laughs> I don't care what they say. I want him. There's so many things I don't know, but I do know that I'm missing something. And Mark goes on to say his response, even though they say, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Save me. Well, he shouted loud enough that Jesus heard him over the crowd, and Jesus stops and says, hey, hey, tell that guy to come here. Well, what are all the people who are just like, shh, shh, like, hey, come along. Hey, he wants to see you now. And they're like, come on, he's calling you. Cheer up. They're like, you just told me. Doesn't get into the conversation. What does he do? He just tosses aside his coat. He jumps up and he goes to Jesus. Verse 51, he says, Jesus questioned to him, hey, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And I just even put that word really at the end. What do you want me to do for you, really? Jesus asked. And his response is this. My rabbi, which is, the word's rabboni. Rabboni means my master, my lord. Um, it's this term of honor. He says to him, I want to see. Rabboni, my lord, I want to see. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, well, go. Because your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. So I read this again. I was like, man, instantly he sees, and what he sees actually causes him to follow. What he sees, the first, the, the first thing he gets to see when his eyes are open is really what he just said in his statement, my Lord, I want to see. And even if you flip those words around, I want to see you, my Lord. Jesus, I want, you know, it maybe goes from saying, you know, my Lord, I want to see, to I want to keep seeing, my Lord. Because he decides he's going to follow. He's like, you know what? <laughs> what I just saw in this moment is enough for me. I was missing something, but not anymore. I know, I know what it is. You know, I wonder, do you have people in your life like that? It's just like they're, they're, they, you can see, they feel like they're missing something. They're always trying to find that, that next fix, that next joy, that next thing. They're buying stuff all the time. They're, you can see it. They're, they're missing something. And they know they're missing something, but they, they don't know what it is. Maybe it's you tonight. Maybe you're watching and it's you because you're just like, yeah, that, that's, I feel like, it's why I'm watching because I, I feel like I'm missing something. And maybe they simply just need to know the same thing that Bart knew, that Jesus was near. That somebody would tell them that Jesus is near. 
Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said it this way, Romans 10, verse 8, he says, in fact, it says that the message is very close at hand. The message is actually the gospel, the, the salvation message is near at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith we preach. He said, here's what it, uh, I love this part so much, I just yellowed the whole thing. <laughs> if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, Bart, man, this is it. If you, if you would just declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Man, just need to hear that Jesus was near for Bart. But how many people do we have around us? They can see with their physical eyes, but they're blindly searching, just not realizing that Jesus is near. Just needing to have somebody point it out. You know, um, a dear sister, she's gone to be with the Lord now. Her name's Georgina. Many of you would remember her from Saturday night. She sat about three or four rows back there. Wonderful, wonderful lady. She would often share with me, uh, she told me this story a lot of times, but she used to sit uh, in that spot, but she said, you know, when I was a little girl, when I was a teenager, I actually sat a bunch of rows back further in a pew. She says, my neighbors had invited me out to this, to this uh, speaker. I went to hear David Wilkerson. And she says, I was at this thing and I heard him and I was like, man, I was so challenged by it. And then they invited me back to church the next day. And so she came to this church when she was 13. And uh, she said, when I got here, she's like, I sat in that seat and the, and the minister was talking about this. He, he just simply said those things. If you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. And she's like, I, I jumped out of my pew. She's like, I don't know how many people I jumped over, but I jumped over the people and I ran straight to the front and I stood there and I'm like, what do I got to do to give my life to Christ? Amen. Why? Because the words, uh, somebody told her that Jesus is near and it changed her life. And if you know Georgina, it literally changed her life. She did not just say a prayer. She gave her life to the Lord. And what a beautiful testimony her life was. Simply that thing of saying, I want to see my Lord. You know, Luke tells us about one last person. We got, the, we got the disciples who had been around but didn't understand. We got Bart who's sitting on the side. He just, he's missing something but he can't see. And Luke tells us about one last person from Jericho. And we'll call him Zach. He's the opposite of Bart. He's not, you know, he's rich. He's not poor. He has everything he wants. He's really well known, um, but he's not really well liked. And then he hears that Jesus is coming to his town. And, and he wants to, he, he's curious. He's like, he's heard about Jesus too, but he's just, he's curious. He just wants to see. Is this guy for real? But he can't see. Not because he's blind, but because he's short. It's Sunday school, Zacchaeus. And if you went to Sunday school, just humor me. Zacchaeus was a... And, uh, can you, for the Lord he wanted to see, can you imagine getting to heaven someday and just meeting Zacchaeus? It's like, this is what he's famous for, for being the wee little man. And I'm like, I can just imagine right now, Zach and Luke up, up, just, you know, in heaven was Zach just like, Luke, seriously, I know you're the details guy, but did you have to put that in there? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, why would you be climbing the tree? You know, the, the fact that he was just simply curious. He, he, just wanted, he just wanted to see if Jesus was for real. And, and, and I wonder how many people are in that spot. They're just, ah, I'm not there yet. I, I, but I'm curious. I, I, I just want to know. 
Zach was just simply curious, and then the unexpected happened. And we see it in Luke 19, verse 5. Then Jesus came by, and what happens? He looks up in the tree at Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, get down here. I am to be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbs down and took Jesus to his house in a great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased, and they said, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And I just think about this. Here, here's, and I just wonder how many times this happens. People are just, they're coming, they're curious. They're like, man, people, I see people go in those small groups or going to that church or they talk about Jesus. And like, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I mean, I'm curious. And, and what happens? All of a sudden, he, Jesus sees Zacchaeus and calls him by name. And I remember that moment when it happened in my life. I do. I, I know so to the, to the point where I realize that God spoke to me. And Mark, I love you. Mark, I know you. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not, you're not broken beyond repair. I know you. I love you. And I'm calling you to put your trust in me. I know what happened in my life that day. And here's what happened to him. He's like, Zach, I, I want to do life with you. If you'll come down from the tree. You know, Zach wasn't... <laughs> He was not the person that everyone else thought Jesus would be hanging out with. They're like, what? How does Jesus not know? This guy's like, he is a notorious sinner. But I love this thought, and I, I don't know who said it, but people, people who are nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus. People who we thought nothing like Jesus, they, they, they liked Jesus, and Jesus loved people who were nothing like him. And that's good news for Zacchaeus. <laughs> that's good news for me. Might be good news for you. You know, like Bart, Zach wanted to see. And what he saw changed his life. And my hope and my prayer is why I prayed earlier, God, I pray that people would see you tonight because that's what happens. That's when a life's changed. Here's what happens in Luke 19. Everybody thought, nobody, (laughs) Jesus, nobody goes to his house. Why are you going there? Meanwhile, it says, Zacchaeus, he didn't even hear any of this stuff. He, He stood before the Lord at his house and he says, Lord, I'm gonna give Half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'm going to give them back four times as much. (laughs) Funny guy, if I have. You know, he for sure did. And he's like, but I'm going to make it right. But I just ask you, do you notice the order? You know, the order was this. He sees Jesus, and then his life is changed, not the other way around. So many think it's, I got to get my life changed, and you know, then I can see Jesus. And why do I say this? Maybe you're in the room, but I... I bet you there's people you know who they think that I got to get my life fixed up before I could go into, you know, join a, a church gathering, a, a gathering of people before I could, I got to get, I got to get things worked out here before God's going to, you know, accept me. And he's like, no, 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 he, he's calling you by name. And just saying, you know, here's the good news of the gospel. Let, let me change your life. And I love the end of it. Luke 19, verse 9, it just simply says this, Jesus responded, to, to Zacchaeus and says, salvation has come to this home today. Not, not because Zacchaeus said a prayer. Not because he, is, he just said, oh yeah, I believe there's a Jesus now. No, like his connection, his, his um, uh, meeting of Jesus, something changed in his life so quickly that it began to change on the outside as well. There was, <laughs> he was born again, became a new person 
Salvation is what Jesus says came to his home that day. He says, why? Because this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In verse 10, he says, because that's why the son of man came, to seek and save those who were lost. I thought, man, Mark, this sermon's probably like a couple weeks early. Like, this is what you should be talking about on Easter, when it's full of lost people. When everybody brings their friends, the CE Christians coming back again, you know, Christmas and Easter, that's when they're there. This is for, this is for them. But Jesus didn't wait till Easter. This all happened on the road. On the road. What does he say? You know, maybe, I just got to go back. Maybe you have people like that in your life. People that, uh, when you look at them, you're like, man... I don't think they really would want anything to do with Jesus. The way they're living their life, I, I don't think that would work. Or maybe you think the opposite. You're like, ooh, man, I don't know if Jesus would want anything to do with them. Both of those things, we shouldn't allow our thoughts to even go there. Because maybe just like these guys, they're missing something. They're looking for something. They just haven't found it yet. Maybe they're curious. They just want to see what Jesus is all about. They just haven't heard him call their name yet. And maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. And I, and I believe for that tonight, that salvation could come to your life, to your house, tonight. Tonight. What does he mean by this thing, salvation? I think of it as a road. The truth is this. We're all on a road. We're on a road to death right now. Every one of us, one day closer. But Jesus wasn't seeing himself on a road to death. He saw himself on a road to resurrection. And my question for us is, what road are we on? What road are you on? We're all on a road to death, but are you on a road to resurrection? Romans 6.23, Paul says it this way, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, the, 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 the road of sin is death, but man, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Through Jesus. It's the only way. Only way, through Jesus. The same Jesus who was walking towards death knowing what came next. I will gladly walk to that cross, he says, because I know there's an empty tomb following it. How about you? Man, do you have that confidence that whatever lies ahead, it doesn't matter how difficult, how hard, I will walk it because I know on the other end, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. And I'm convinced of that. Are you? Man, I think we need to be reminded of that. (laughs) That heaven is for real. That we, man, as his followers, we have a hope that the world does not have. And if you don't believe it, man, they're never going to believe it. They're never going to have the opportunity to see it. Let me leave you with one last story. The story stick. It's reminded of the story of a young lady who was in the hospital just a short time to live. So she met with her pastors. He came in to pray for her. And they knew she wasn't going to make it. And so she just, he just asked her about her funeral plans and what... You know, what do you want said? And what can, what can, what can I say on your behalf? And she, she had this odd request. She's like, I would like just simply to be buried with a, a dessert fork in my hand. For those who have heard this, you know, it's that, that, that she reminded him as he asked, like, well, why a dessert fork? She's like, because I just have such fond memories of dinner around our table dinner in the restaurants with our family. And I just always loved it when the waiters would say or my parents would say, hey, you know, just hold on, keep your fork. Because I knew that the best was yet to come. That dessert was coming. That there was a reason why I was holding on to it. 
And she said, I just want that to be my last thing, that I, that I might be passing from this life, but the best is yet to come. Amen. That I know it, that I know it right to the core. And you can too. It's why all this was written, you know. It wasn't just a story. John tells us in his last, John 20, verse 30, he says this, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs. He's talking about Lazarus raised from the dead, about him being raised from the dead. And he says, there's, there's tons. Like, the world could not handle the books. But verse 31, he says, let me tell you why we wrote them down. Here's why. These ones are written so that you, reader, tonight, you, you might continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And I'm so grateful those words became true in my life. And my prayer is that, there's, that those around us, that we would begin to see the people around us who need these words, who don't have that hope, who don't understand that there's more to this life than this life, but that they would realize through our words and our lives that Jesus is near to them, reaching out for them, ready to save them. And all it takes is that response Jesus, save me. My prayer tonight is that you would pray that prayer if you haven't yet. And not simply to say, oh, Jesus, save me, but man, I want to see you, Jesus, and I want to live my life seeing you, Jesus, just like these guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Jesus, thank you for going to that cross, and thank you for leaving that tomb. Thank you for conquering death so that we know, we know that we will as well. Lord, as we prepare our hearts for Easter, I know you're preparing hearts all around us as well. God, I pray you give us eyes to see those around us that you're reaching out to, speaking to. Lord, may we be ready to share your good news with anyone who will listen. Lord, may they see you, may they be pointed to you, the one and only, the name above every name, the only name where they can receive salvation. May they know your name, Jesus. May they look to you. God, I pray tonight you'd stir in our hearts through this. Just again, a realization that life is shorter than we think, time is shorter than we know. That we might be on mission reminded of it on mission again as we journey with you. <laughs> Thank you that we journey with you. Love you, Father. Thanks for loving me first. Commit this night and this time and these words to your purposes and to your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight I want to leave you with a few questions. Some to chat about in a group, maybe some just to think about on your own, but I, man, I, there's something that happens when we talk with one another, and you'll see people circling up, and if tonight, if you're, if you're interested, just, just come join a circle. Don't wait for the invitation. Just, just do it. So here's the questions. What jumped out of you tonight? What, was there, what, what, did, you, what did you hear? You're like, ah, oh, I got to think about that more. Second, do you know someone who is like Matthew, Peter, and John? Was there names that came to your mind when you heard the people like, yeah, they've been around church, but I don't think they get it. I, I don't know if they're aware of what this thing's really all about. Maybe, you know, do you know someone in your, in your life or around you that's like Bart? That just like they're missing something. You, you see it in their life. They're always looking for that next thing, but it just, just not seeing it. Or, or, or like Zach. 
curious about Christ, but somebody hasn't told them yet that he's calling their name. And then third, how would you explain the message of Christ to them? This is the one I think is most important tonight. How would you explain it to them? Uh, just come with me to church and Mark will do that. <laughs> how would you? You know, man, I, I, church, I think it's so, so important that we've prepared our hearts with the gospel. Because it, it's not going to happen in this building all the time. It's going to happen everywhere. And then finally, how does knowing that there is uh, more to this life than this life, how does knowing that affect your life right now? How does it affect your life right now? You know, as I was reminded just again that uh, the, he's re- resurrecting me, the things that we see in our future that feel like, you know, you read the news or you hear about things that are happening, it's like, oh, it's a little, this is, that can be a little bit scary. Man, the fear is gone. As I read about, you know, in Revelation, they didn't love their lives even to death. Why? Because they knew it didn't end there. How does that affect your life? And I pray it does. I don't even know how to end tonight other than to say, uh, if, if, if tonight triggered in you and you're like, you know what, I'm one of those people and I, I don't know all the answers, but I know that, I, that I'm missing something, that I need Christ in my life. And you want somebody to pray with you? I would love to do that. Uh, and I'm sure there's others as well. But would you come talk to me? Don't, don't miss this thing. He's speaking to you tonight. I don't know what else to say that. But you know. Would you take advantage of that? And otherwise, man, feel free to gather in some groups use this time, even if it's in the cafe, to be a blessing to one another. Pray with one another. It's, it's, it's great. And uh, that's it for me. You're dismissed. Have a great week. <laughs>